Hey, thanks for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to hear more and help support the show, you can head to patreon.com slash zero brightness or find links to all our socials at zerobrightness.com. Okay, so it's Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. It's the uh, Halloween special. You know, try and do something special for Halloween. Uh, you know, a game people want to hear us talk about or like an event or something. Last year I talked about a bunch of PS2 games that people always ask me to play. Uh, this year, by incredibly popular demand, it turns out that people just want us to play indie horror games and talk about them. What a concept. Um, and it's great because we love indie horror games. We love playing them, and uh, yeah, it's fun to talk about. So we did an episode a few weeks ago that was just a roundup of indie horror games and stuff that, you know, personally I've been meaning to check out, and yeah, it ended up being really great, super fun. Kind of got me back into just playing short indie horror games, which is great, because personally I'm not really playing a lot of video games right now. Um... I'm just not doing that in my free time currently. So like the thought of playing something much longer or more involved than just like a short indie game is kind of terrible. So this was really fun. Um, That episode was fun. This episode was also really fun to do. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll definitely do it more in the future. The one thing about this type of episode is that you can't really do it too much Otherwise, it gets repetitive, and also you end up kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. And you're like, oh, today we talked about this random game I found on Itch. It's 10 minutes long, and it's bad. Next. You know? Yeah, I ran into some of that, kind of just picking some out. Uh, which about halfway through that, I kind of it dawned on me that you can even like for the ones that you don't have to pay for they're like name your own price you can't just download them for free yes because i was just buying everything and then oh. being like oh that that kind of sucks yeah that's <laughs> which not is like great. fine i don't feel bad about paying for a, a game just because i didn't it, like love it but i was like ah it would be more cost effective of me to to try these first before yeah. I pay money for them. Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, I mean, Itch is great. It's a great platform. You can go on there and check out tons of cool, weird little games. Um, yeah, like you said, you can try a lot of stuff for free. If you want to be nice, you can give people a couple bucks even before you try it, but also you can try it and go back and be like, this is the best game I've ever played. Here's, you know, 15, 20 bucks or whatever, you know? So it's, it's cool in that regard. It's a lot like Bandcamp for musicians um and i think a lot of music fans also use bandcamp in that way where like you can always check out someone's stuff for free you get a few free plays or if something is you know name what you want you can download something for free and then later be like oh here's 40 dollars for a fucking shirt because this album blew my mind or whatever so well now that it's owned by tencent or whatever you're gonna have to buy the like bandcamp battle pass or something (laughs) That still hasn't happened yet. Um, I don't know. I, I aired out my take in a in a Patreon episode, but like I feel like Bandcamp's business practices have always been a little bit shady. And I was like, I don't really know if anything's going to change with them getting bought. And it turns out I was right about that, I think. Yeah, I mean, it is just kind of the nature, I think, of like 
the the like a, the consumer slash creator first online marketplaces for pretty much any uh, hobby or genre to like get to a point where they just suck. Yeah, like Patreons that way, Bandcamps that way. It's just where yeah. all that stuff ends up going once it actually gains traction. So the thing that bugs me about these platforms, and this is, I mean, this is kind of the TLDR of that Patreon app, I guess, is that like. I'm totally 100% fine with paying a big company to use their platform to sell things, right? Like, I'm not so entitled or so crazy that I'm like, I should be able to use it for free and not pay in. It's like, no, someone else built the platform. I'm using it for commerce. I should pay them. I just wish that they would be really upfront about what I'm paying them and how the money breaks down. And mm. that's the thing that, I mean, these platforms really aren't usually. And I think it's because they're trying to kind of, this is a loaded term, I know, but they're kind of trying to like trick the users into thinking they're getting a better deal than they are. And in the case of Bandcamp, they are legitimately trying to trick consumers into thinking that they're getting a better deal. Because like, there's no reason why they would have pushed Bandcamp Friday so hard, you know, if they didn't already mm-hmm. know that most people don't know that if you just buy merch, it already goes 100% to the artists anyway. And like a lot of people just straight up did not understand that it's like, you know, it's like that. And so Bandcamp Friday is really only beneficial if you're only buying digital music. Like, the whole concept was just an admission that digital music is a loss leader that nobody makes any fucking money on and then turned into this weird, big, like, you know, consumer thing. And it mm. wasn't really at this point in time, it's not really beneficial to artists unless it's very specific. Like you're putting out a piece of digital music. You want to try and make some money on digital music and it aligns with that sale or whatever. So yeah, I don't know. I have a lot of, mixed to negative feelings about it as someone who's been heavily using the platform to sell merch and music for like, you know, probably close to a decade. Well, that I already knew. I don't know if everyone else already knew that. Right. Yeah. If you've been here for a while, you probably already knew that. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe itch. Maybe if you're a dev, you're like, I hate itch. <laughs> or you're like me where you're like, yeah, I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings. I haven't I seen I anything, but I don't have any friends that are game devs. So I don't have any friends. Uh, wow. So, <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, itch is cool though. As a consumer, you can browse, you can check out lots of games. And so we jumped on there and checked, checked out. Why does that sound so weird? I don't know. That's the right tense. It sounds okay to me, but I can see where you would feel that way. Yeah, Mm. Yeah, dude, I'm fucking, I'm fucking turned up on this uh, ashwagandha (laughs) hot water. (laughs) I'm fucking flying off the ashwagandha, dude. Um, But yeah, so we thought it would be fun once again to play a little uh, selection of short indie games that you can check out for a very low price, very low time investment, and we'll tell you what we thought about him. Um, there's also one that I picked that, I don't know if it's on itch, but I played it on Steam, and it is a little bit meatier of a game. It's a little bit longer, um, but everything else definitely fits into that short indie type beat. Uh, so the games we're covering today are The Night is Darkening, 
by Lovely Hell Place. Carbon Steel by Mike Klubnicka. You Left Me by Angela Hay. And Nightmare of Decay, which is by uh, Checkmatey Games. <laughs> okay, and maybe also Bloodborne PSX, because that's fun. That's You can still get that? It's not been the... Uh, um, I guess. I guess the... I don't, because yeah, I don't know if you can even name a price. Uh, maybe it's just free. I don't know if it was a, like, they were like, hey, you can't keep doing this. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, they were like, we're not going to, like, strike you down, but you can't continue development. And that's why they pivoted to uh, to Bloodborne Cart. But mm. yeah, I got it. I just, it still comes up when you search for it. I downloaded oh, it. Oh, yeah. It. Okay. You can download it. You just can't buy it, which is which is fine. I mean, you know copyright law and all that um cool all right i didn't know that uh yes so we're gonna tell you about these games uh like the last episode i would say same rules apply these games are all really short um if any of them look cool you should go play them and uh then listen to the episode i'm not gonna aggressively try to spoil anything but also like if i want to talk about something and it could be considered a spoiler i'm going to talk about it so yeah everything is like uh i mean the night is darkening you can beat and i think honest to god like two minutes (laughs) um yeah everything is like under 15 minutes except for uh except for bloodborne obviously and uh nightmare of decay is definitely like Definitely could be considered a full-length game by our standards, I think. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Um, Well, let's start there, too, because I think that's, like, the most recent one that both of us have played, and there's a fair bit to discuss, so... Oh, yeah. I was playing it when you called, or I called, or whoever called, Right. (laughs) Okay, wow. I quit. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) My goal all along. I'm just trying to burn through co-hosts. Uh, you know, just trying Damn, to see what I'm the co-host. Do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm just trying. That's always how it was, dude. I don't know why I fucking I don't know fake humble bullshit. I'm fake as fuck, dude. I'm a fraud. Um, this is my shit. I made this shit. You are very fraudulent. I I must say, I'm letting everyone know that you you are fraudulent. My time here has taught me that <laughs> I'm a fake. I'm a fraud. I'm whack. My stance, the clothes I wear, whack. <laughs> Um, the way that he doesn't even like to smile whack. <laughs> me I'm tight as fuck that is like my internal monologue I'm like I'm whack <laughs> I suck but me I'm tight as fuck <laughs> I have a real like confusing sense of self worth um, anyway so Nightmare of Decay this is a game that I had never heard of and I now know why is that it's really Well, it's relatively new, right? It came out in May of this year. So it's a relatively new game. But the way that I heard about it was through this Masters of Indie Horror bundle that popped up on Steam. And I believe Duck, shout out to Duck, who's like the ultimate game curator in our Discord, um, posted it in the Discord. And I took a look at it and I was like, oh, that's crazy. It's like this big Steam bundle that has a bunch of like pretty classic indie horror games, um, at least by this point, classics. Like you've got Faith, you've got Iron Lung, you've got Murder House, Lost in Vivo, and The Convenience Store. And like, you know, 
half or more of those games, I think, are like stone cold classics. Like Lost in Vivo and the convenience store are just straight up like my favorite horror games of the last few years. Like I'm obsessed with those games. Um, Faith and Murder House, I think, are fine. Iron Lung, I think, is great. But there's this game in there called Nightmare of Decay. I've never heard of it. I've never heard of the creator. And I was like, okay, let me see what it's all about. And I so I went in totally blind. And I think you said it really well, where like if you look at the promotional materials and like based on the intro of the game, you think it's gonna be like a walking sim. But it turns out to be like a hardcore survival horror game but with first person controls and mechanics yeah it's uh it's resident evil parentheses four (laughs) yeah it's it's crazy it's like in some ways almost a remake of the original resident evil like Mm -hmm. my brain wants to say that it's like inspired by but it's like so much of it is just straight up lifted from Resident Evil. It's like, nah, dog. Like, yeah, there was the, a spot where I was like, did they just steal audio from Resident Evil 4? Like, <laughs> straight up. Well, but even the first Resident Evil, because like the entryway of the mansion is the same. The cards or the um, keys that match like playing card suits is the same. Yeah. The scene where you find the first zombie is like a shot for shot recreation of the FMV scene where you find the first zombie in Resident Evil. Um, It is once again a zombie game set within like a creepy old mansion. Oh, there's a scene where, you know, stuff comes through the window at you and it's a big jump scare. Like there's just so many moments lifted straight from the original Resident Evil that I was like, what is going on? I thought I was like, I I was like losing my mind. I was like, am I going crazy or is this just Resident Evil? What the fuck is going on? Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just basically a love letter to Resident Evil, kind of Silent Hill, like a little bit. I feel like I feel like there's obviously way more nods to Resident Evil, but there's a couple to Silent Hill in there, I think. Sure. And, uh, it also plays, it plays sort of like a source game right so it's like you know like the shooting is familiar and like works it's not like super janky or weird right yeah it definitely has the feel of a more modern like first person shooter at least when you compare it to like old survival horror which it's like mostly based on um it feels like a more modern first person shooter yeah, the the combat works, the controls work. Uh, it has kind of that PS1 type look to it, but it's mostly just through like filtering and just kind of like basic assets. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think I kept going back and forth on this game. Like ultimately, I liked it. I think it's really good, but. In the beginning, I was like, what is going on? Like, why is it so much like Resident Evil? And then as it went on, though, like, I kind of realized that they basically nailed all of the big important beats of a Resident Evil game or like of a classic survival horror game Mm -hmm. where like, you know, they keep you playing because you're like, oh, I want to unlock this next door. I want to unlock this next shortcut. I want to do this next loop back. I want to get to 
the next phase. And that was the thing, one of the things that impressed me the most about this game was the fact that they just nailed that classic structure and style of an old survival horror game. Yeah, like it's it's really easy to fall into the loop of the game. Mm-hmm. Kind of the literal loop. A lot of the areas kind of do just, it's a bit of a cycle. But like it's, I, I don't know if it's because we like we've played a lot of those games or maybe that's just how it's designed intentionally. But yeah, it's really easy to fall into it and find your way around. I like missed a door the first time I sat down to play it, which had me kind of walking in circles for a bit. But that's just because like <laughs> I'm a dumbass. Yeah, but like otherwise, otherwise, like the the puzzles are they're they're like cute, but they're not like hard, really. I don't think like you you figure them out pretty quickly yeah. or you figure out pretty quickly that like you're missing something. So you don't just like sit there banging your head against it. But like everything's just the right amount of whatever it needs to be. Yeah, so it's a really easy game to play and you get you get all the vibes too yeah for sure i mean i stayed up until like 2 30 last night playing it which really really cut into my plan to sleep 13 hours <laughs> and that sucks but i did have fun also i just want to say earlier when i said yeah i wasn't saying yeah you're a dumbass i was saying yeah i also walked by a bunch of shit and missed it <laughs> <laughs> um, i was saying yeah i'm a dumbass um yeah, no, they they really nailed that aspect of it. I think that, well, okay, there's like good things and bad things about this game. Let me say the good thing is that they, the puzzle design, the structure of the mansion, the way the game flows, they absolutely nailed it. Um, one thing that I was really impressed by was that they made the zombies tense and scary, which is pretty hard to do nowadays. Like, I think everybody's desensitized to zombies, especially old school RE1 style, like Romero zombies. Um, I think in this game, the level design is very good and keeping it in the first person means that you are constantly dodging them. There's also a lot of mechanics in the game to slow you down. So like there's a stamina bar and uh, they slow you down when you do a lot of things. Like if you shoot or if you reload or if you pick up an item, like anything you do kind of slows you down. And so you are constantly dodging those zombies. And I thought that was really cool because it actually sort of put you back into the mindset of like when you played Resident Evil for the very first time, like when you were a kid and that shit was still scary. I thought that this game actually (laughs) did that really well. And I was not expecting that at all. Like I was like, damn, this is kind of like a pretty big achievement within the genre to do something like that. I don't know if I had that specific experience, but I did. I did enjoy that, like, typically I had enough ammo to just deal with them all. The, the shooting works really well, so it's really easy to just shoot them all in the head. Uh, yeah. But, like, the, you know, there'd be some situations where I'd be like, well, like, I just need to go into this room for this item. I don't want to spend half a magazine of handgun ammo to kill these guys. So then I'd have to find a way to make them move around so I could just get around them, which was like fun yeah, and worked really well. Like that, you know, seemed like part of the intentional design is like, you don't have to kill all of them if you don't want to. I think one of the catches 
is that if you kill everything in a space, you can sprint as much as you want, which is good right. if you need to. It's good for when you have to like go through a loop or something. So there is kind of an advantage to killing everything. Right. But, uh, also, you can just they're slow enough that like if you think for a second, you can just sort of like bob and weave around them and try to save your ammo, which I you know, there are two difficulties. So I think on the harder one, that's definitely more of a thing you'd have to do. But I had I had plenty of fun just playing it on the normal difficulty. Yeah, it's the same thing that you did in those old survival horror games where like you have to count your bullets. Uh, you can't kill every single enemy. You have to be strategic. So if there's a hallway, you know, you're going to have to go through a lot. It's like, okay, I need to kill this zombie for sure. But if it's something else, then it's like, eh, I don't really need to kill zombies or this zombie necessarily. Um, yeah. Once again, I think it's done well because it's in first person. It's a little more tense. I liked that. I think at this point, doing that kind of stuff in third person is not very exciting anymore because like I have played the original Resident Evil like a hundred mm-hmm. times so it's kind of <laughs> like it was nice it was actually refreshing um, it's a weird combination that isn't actually that weird when you think about it but I just like didn't expect it like there you know it's it's well known that like the original Resident Evil is supposed to be in first person so this is kind of a window into like an alternate universe where they made that happen which I thought was cool yeah, like uh, I just had a lot of preconceived notions based on literally nothing because I didn't even look at screenshots or gameplay or anything. I just like right. <laughs> downloaded it and played it. But like, I don't know. You just anytime I play an indie horror game and I at least know it's in first person, I'm like, I know what this is. Walking I know exactly sim. what this is. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's more of a like action packed walking sim and sometimes it's just walking around. You don't even interact with stuff. But yeah. No. Yeah. I was very, I was like, oh, a knife. That's cute. And then I got a gun. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And then I just kind of kept going from there. Boss fights and everything. Yeah. So I did want to talk about some of the stuff I don't think works as well in this game for me. Uh, I do think that the more like action-y first person shooter stuff in this game does kind of clash with the survival horror stuff. Like... A good example is, you know, the enemies being such bullet sponges, but also like forcing you into combat scenarios. There's a little bit of dissonance there to me as like someone who's played a lot of classic survival horror where it's like, okay, if enemies take this many fucking pistol bullets to kill, I'm not killing nobody. But then the game puts you into scenarios that are much more like first person shooter style where it's like, you have to fight these guys. You have to kill these guys. And the other thing, I guess, along that same line is that, like, the enemies that are faster and more aggressive do feel a little bit game-breaking. Like, they're not impossible to kill. You can definitely get past it, but it's just very frustrating. Like, I played, like, the first half of this game, so I did, like, a couple boss fights and a decent chunk of, like, the game itself. It's about three hours long uh, in total is what I read, and I played, like, 90 minutes of it. Um... When you get to those boss fights or the like combat encounters that you have to finish, um, they can be really, really frustrating. Uh, I just felt like I didn't want to do it. Like I wanted to get back to the just kind of wandering around, occasionally fighting a zombie type of stuff because that's what's fun. And yeah, when it got a little bit more first person shootery, 
I, I didn't like it, and I also thought that it kind of pulled away from what the game was really, really good at, which was that more like classic survival horror shit. Yeah, I think the established mechanics are like they don't work super well for boss fights because the boss fights just sort of become how much stuff have you stockpiled because there's not you like the movement like the movement in relation to how like the bosses move isn't great so you're kind of just like dumping as much high powered ammo as you have into them and then like just getting like face when you fucking like run out and you have to reload because you can't really you can move when you reload, but you're slow, so you're gonna take hits, and you kind of just have to accept that, right? Like I don't know if there is a way to really <laughs> like do a boss fight without taking damage. I mean, maybe I don't know, but it didn't seem that way to me. That's what I mean. It's like those mechanics, like the game constantly slowing you down, giving you this tiny stamina bar. They work really well when you're dodging zombies and doing survival horror stuff. But then when you start doing FPS stuff. It's super annoying and it's super frustrating. And like, I felt that way about a lot of stuff in this game. Like, there's a lot of moments where the game kind of breaks out of its own established rules. And when that would happen, it would almost always end up being frustrating. Like another good example is there is literally a Dark Souls mimic in this game, (laughs) which was like (laughs) super fucking annoying. Cause like I got killed by it the first time I encountered it. That sucked. That was annoying. But then later I found out that you actually should kill it because it has a useful item. Yeah, no, inside. I it. Yeah, and so it's like, that's an annoying thing because it's like, well, why is there an instant death trap? That sucks. But okay, a classic survival horror, that was pretty normal. But then you find out like, oh no, you actually should kill it. You shouldn't do the classic survival horror thing. And then it's like, at that point, I'm just annoyed. I've already had to reload my save once. And it's like, Yeah, I don't know. I I think that this game is really good at classic survival horror, but when it folds in other ideas, it's not bad, but it gets really frustrating, and it took away from the fun that I was having playing the game. So That mimic spot's kind of bad, because if you do like I did, and you run into it while two dudes are shooting at you, because spoiler, eventually the enemies get guns. Like that was a that was a tight spot. Like it didn't I didn't get insta killed by it because like I went to open it and I saw the teeth and started like backing up. Uh, it, it like tried to like it it got me and then they shot me and I was at like the most critical health you can possibly be. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I did manage to get out of that one. Um, yeah, and that's. I but don't still, know. I was yeah. like, this is like, yeah, like this game doesn't really, it doesn't support uh, this exact type of like dog pile combat very well yeah why is there a dark souls mimic and like even those guys so those guys are really funny because they're literally just like the resident evil four monks that we have at home they're like (laughs) when you go to the costco automotive section and you just want a tire and instead they're like do you want some resident evil four monks they they whisper like fettuccine alfredo under their breath and shit <laughs> and like and they're just always like hey, 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 yeah, yeah the whole time and they're yeah. just like like while they point a gun at you but they point it at you like very like a 90s movie where there's like a woman who's not going to take anymore and she's yeah. like pointing a gun at you yeah it just looks so goofy <laughs> and they're like hey, yeah <laughs> but they also move really fast which like 
I don't know. It's once again, it's a thing where it's like, this is a little bit game breaking. Like it's not impossible. It's not going to ruin it for you necessarily, but it's like, why, why this, (laughs) why this in here? You know, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Goofy, but I think that it's at least like fun, I guess after dealing with exclusively just like shambling zombies for so long, I was at least like, okay, I guess this is fine. Yeah. Like it kind of feels like a greatest hit sort of game. You know, yeah, it definitely and that's is. like, OK, like it doesn't a game like this for me doesn't have to like nail it start to finish. I think that most of it's at least pretty, pretty solid. So like it's a it's a game I will finish, even though I haven't like even though I didn't finish it before we got here to record like I will. For sure. And I, I think I'm going to as well. I stopped at that second boss fight because it was really annoying because like you said, I just walked by something. Uh, which is another frustrating thing that can happen because you're in first person in sort of a classic survival horror map. But yeah, no, it it is really good overall. I was really impressed with the things that it managed to do with such a like old school form and style. Um, I was really impressed with what this game uh, was able to make me feel, like I said, that kind of tension and and just keeping me playing where I was just like, all right, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And suddenly it's like 2.30 and I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a good uh, it's got a good Friday night blockbuster rental vibe. Yeah, for sure. And it's three hours, the perfect length, <laughs> as I've been going on about. It like, it doesn't, get, like, like I said, I died. You know, I didn't save as often as I should have. So I died and I had to like replay a whole bunch of stuff knowing where to go. It's very quick. And I guess that's like, that's kind of how most Resident Evil games typically work is if you play it for the first time, like you're going to spend hours on it. But if you come back to it, knowing everything, it's a game you can beat in usually like a quarter of the time. Sure. Like I think most Resident Evil games, like the speed run is like a quarter of the standard run time. Right. And this game clearly has that going for it. So, yeah, it's it's cool. I think that, you know, if you're trying to find some classic survival horror type shit. Well, there was a big release that just came out Signalis, which I a little bit of. Yeah, I haven't played yet, but I bought it. So I'm going to play it. Um, I guess that's the big release. But also you kind of can't go wrong with this game. It has so much of that vibe. And if you are like, I don't really want to replay Resident Evil one again or Resident <laughs> Evil 2 again yeah. where you're just like I've played it so fucking much this game has the vibes but it's it's updated it's kind of weird and goofy at moments which I think uh, works really well I think it it's like to the game's credit that it has those moments yeah. Um, and yeah it, it can be frustrating but I mean so are all those old games so fuck it I mean this episode's gonna come out on Halloween which is very spooky And that bundle is on sale at least through Halloween. I want to say that the sale ends Tuesday. Yeah, November 1st is when it ends. But if you're interested in a number of these games and you want to check them out, like you should check out the bundle. Like I said, it's got a lot of cool shit. Even the stuff that I'm not super hyped on in the bundle, I think is worth playing because it's like been in the conversation of horror games uh of the last few years like i think if you if you want to be kind of up to date with what's going on in new horror games 
like playing Murder House, playing Faith, like that's definitely worth doing. And you know, it's got Lost in Vivo, which is like my favorite. It's got convenience you know, store. Everything in here has been talked about on this show. Like now with with this episode, everything that's in it will have been talked about before. And it's worth noting that the version of Faith that's in the bundle is um right. all three of them. Yeah. Because now like Faith part three came out, so now it's like the full the yeah. whole thing. So Yeah. So it's it's definitely something worth checking out if you're missing any of those games um or you haven't checked them out yet. So yeah, that was a good game. I had a good time. It was fun. Let's talk about um, this lovely Hell Place game. Uh, which Night I, is Darkening? Yes. It's called The Night is Darkening. It's by a dev called Lovely Hell Place. Now, I am like kind of obsessed with this developer, but they have only put out demos. And like, I need them to like finish something (laughs) cause like the shit they make is so fucking cool Uh, I haven't played any of these but these all look very cool I've so okay on itch and I know they have a patreon as well uh, which I kind of checked out briefly but I didn't end up actually subscribing to Um, but on itch they have this game the night is darkening they have Penitent Dread, uh, Penitent Dead, which I think I played, but I can't remember. Dread Delusion, which I believe we talked about on the show when we talked about the first um, Haunted PSX thing, because it was part of that. Mm-hmm. And then Shatter, which is another one that was part of a game jam. So all their stuff has that PS1 look, but it's very like well fleshed out. There's a ton of FromSoft influence. So, you know, you've got those kind of character models, that kind of look, even the fonts. They have that um, FromSoft, like generic Asian text pack English font vibe, um, <laughs> which is like specifically what the like you died font is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it has that vibe, but they're all set in these like really cool uh post-apocalyptic dark fantasy fucked up worlds uh like that shatter game it's kind of like a little bit more sci-fi dread delusion was more fantasy and this one is definitely more leaning into like the fantasy side of things but just the look and feel of the stuff they make the the worlds that they create are so fucking cool and it's like the rare dev where i'm just like I want you to make a super long ass game (laughs) cause like I just want to like chill in these worlds cause they're so fucking sick. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend people go check out all their stuff. It's all like very short, very easy to digest, but, um, this game was really interesting. It's once again, kind of a sci-fi fantasy post-apocalypse type world. It's, uh, it's Lovecraftian Morrowind. Sure. Aesthetically. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's no. I Yeah, I guess the only indication that it's like post-apocalyptic is you find something that they refer to as a relic and it's just like the first cell phone. That's a post-apocalypse, baby. That's yeah, all it so, takes. Yeah, so, you know, because you're in a floating world. Everything's on like little island rocks and you're on an airship of sorts and you just land and you walk around this little, the little island you're on. Yeah. And you have, there's only so many points of like interaction, but the fun loop is like 
I did it the first time and I was like, oh, I didn't want to do that. That's uh, sad and unfortunate. So I tried to do it differently. Yeah. Uh, knowing knowing what I knew, which I did all of that in like 10 minutes. It's like it's not a long game at all. No, for sure. You, you can replay it. You can poke around. There's a cool manor at the top of the hill. There's some NPCs like it's very basic, but I think that's what I love so much about this artist's work is that they're able to take these super basic elements and building blocks and make something that feels like a fully fleshed out, complete world. And that just yeah. blows my mind. I think it's really like cool. the aesthetic, like just speaks for itself a whole lot. Like it implies it implies a whole lot more than what's you know going on. And the music and the sound design is really solid. For, yeah. Uh, a game quote unquote like this I guess yeah yeah for sure like the, the the sound design inside the cabin is like great yeah for sure that's something I would say about all these games actually I really liked the sound design in all of them they all use a lot of silence and ambient noise and like room tone and really subtle touches to make you feel like you're in a place you know it's not always relying on music and mm -hmm. that was something I, I thought all these games did really well and I really, really enjoyed. Um, that's something I would say too about Nightmare of Decay. Like the little moments where there's music, the touches of that were really cool, but a lot of it was just a lot of eerie silence and sound effects to kind of, you know, make you feel like you're in this world. And yeah, this game definitely did that same thing. Like there's obviously some cool little like ambient keyboard stuff, but there's also a lot more just like sound design that you know, just makes you feel like you're there. Yeah. And if memory serves the games that do have music, uh, it's all, it's all good. The music that was there is pretty solid. Yeah. I want to, I want to say that it's a uh, nightmare of decay. That's got like a, a kind of Yamaoka ripoff sort of sound somewhere in there. Yeah. Or maybe I'm thinking of another. Like I've played <laughs> I've played a lot of uh, itch games over the past like couple of weeks. Yeah. So some of them are definitely gonna like blend together for me, so I could be wrong. But yeah, I man. yeah, I think that's the one I remember having like a I'm trying to emulate trash can noise as much as I can kind of uh track going at some point. Right, for sure. Yeah. Um yeah, this game rocked. It was really fun. Once again, I think this dev stuff right now is cool because it's like you get a little window into a cool world that someone made, you know, uh, and that's all it is for now. But I really hope that they keep going and, and make something a little bit more fleshed out because I'm like super into what they're doing and kind of what they're hinting at doing with their work. So, yeah, I'm excited to see where yeah, that goes. a game like this that's so short is... Um it it really makes you think about how like how we're always saying that you don't want to overstay your welcome with right. a lot of horror stuff like you don't want it to run super long but you know like i guess there's a point where it can be too brief maybe you know sure not that it's like detrimental like it's really there's a lot of power and i guess having like a window into a world that you can like literally a window you can only see as much as you can see out of it Right. And you're never going to get any more than that. And there is a lot of like uh, intrigue there, but then it's also like, come on, man, like, give me, give me a couple hours at least. Give me yeah. more than one building to walk through. Like I need it. I mean, 
I don't know. I think that I feel that way about this particular dev because I just really like what they're doing. It's like when you find a new band that's amazing, but they only have like a couple singles out. You're like, well, I want the album because I love this band. But I also think that this dev, I don't know anything about them. I'm, I'm just purely going off a conjecture here. This feels like the kind of person who maybe would not have actually started making games had there not been this rise of like a scene of people making demos. And that's really blown up. And I think it's cool because we're getting all of these super short games that are just demos. You know, you've got things like Haunted PSX, you've got the um, Dread X collection, which maybe that's what one of their games was in as well. I can't remember. But anyway, the point is now you've got this thing going on within the game dev scene. You've got a lot of uh, game enjoyers who are primed to play these short, tiny little experiences and just really enjoy that and appreciate that as a complete artistic work in and of itself. And so I think it's important to look at these super short games and say, oh yes, that is a complete work of art within itself. It doesn't need to be a demo for anything, or it doesn't need to gesture towards a longer, more fully fleshed out experience. Like it can just be this and that's cool. Um, And so I think it's important to appreciate things in that way. And I definitely do. And I think with a lot of the super short ones, especially if you're checking out stuff on like haunted PSX or a dread X collection or whatever, there is a lot of stuff that you're like, that was neat as like a 15 minutes or less type beat. Like I don't really need a whole game like that, but then there's also stuff Mm -hmm. that's like, shit, this should be a whole game. Like um, dread delusion is the one that they said, like, I want to make it a full game and maybe they're still working on it. I don't remember, but that was like, holy shit, this needs to be a full game. Same with the mouse game, the socialism mouse game, uh, (laughs) which was like so fucking good that it was like, I need a whole game like this because this rocks, you know? But at the same time, if a dev was like, nope, it's just this, this is it. I I think that's cool. And I, I appreciate that for that. Uh, just to let you know, Dread Delusion is currently in development and will be published by Dread XP. Oh, well, there you go. So I guess they are working on that game. Yeah, well, for sure. And, and you can get early access alpha to whatever build they've got going for $2 at their Patreon. Yeah. So I'm excited for that because that demo was like incredible. It was like Dark Souls, PS1 derezzed, plus a bunch of aesthetic influence from Hyperlight Drifter. And it's like, okay, this is a game for me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. come on. I was going to save it for the end of the app, but like a through line here is going to be that like, I think maybe the secret sauce is that all the power lies in like fifth generation aesthetics. Oh yeah. Like like this is this is a this is where this stuff should be. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I think there's a reason that that aesthetic has taken off like a runaway train in the last few years and it's because it looks fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Everybody likes it. A lot of the target audience for this game is nostalgic for it like it's like a perfect storm of stuff and it's also like it's the same reason that lo-fi or different types of lo-fi production will always be popular in music is that it's like a really easy 
cheap evergreen way to make certain really basic elements in music just sound a thousand times cooler. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if you don't have a nice setup to record drums, you just run that shit through a fucking distortion pedal and a compressor and it sounds amazing. Or like if you don't have a cool guitar amp that sounds good, you plug it straight into a four track and you just crank it into the red and it sounds fucking awesome. Like, I think this is kind of the video game dev version of that where it's like, you're one person. You don't have the time and maybe not the chops to like custom model everything in the game. You're just grabbing shit off of like asset packs and asset stores and stuff like that. But then you're like, how do I make it look cool? How do I make it fit into my game? Bam, PS1 aesthetic, done, (laughs) you know? And like, that's cool. That's an important tool, you know, just as important as like people having mastery of skill and putting time and blah, blah, blah. It's also important to know how to use basic shit to make something, you know, cool in the output stage. It's really weird and interesting to me too, how like in the mainstream with like what, what traditional game journalism would call an indie game. A lot of them are still pixel art or, you know, they're sprite based or they're like 16 bit or you, whatever it is. And like, I can't, I'm having a hard time thinking of like a mainstream game that utilizes like the 32 slash 64 bit, like 3d aesthetic. And like all of that is like an itch. It's all in, it's all in very like DIY, um, games development. Right. And I remember for a long time being like, so when when do like indie games, quote unquote, hit the point where they start they start doing, you know, like PS1 and 64 style graphics. And it's so weird because a lot of these games are made by one person or maybe two or three. If it's the sort of like if it's someone who isn't great at like like music composition or something. Right. But like, you know, all the all the like indie darlings of like the greater gaming medium are all like made by like studios, like sure. a team of 20 people had to make a pixel art game. Well, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the excuse is anymore. <laughs> like, just give me, give me some neat, uh, give me like crash bandicoot one, you know? Well, I mean, pixel art's really different from this type of visual aesthetic. Like, doing a good-looking pixel art game is significantly more difficult than doing a good-looking game with the PS1 aesthetic. Like, significantly, because you have to draw and animate all that shit. Like, that's a lot of that. the animation that goes into that shit is, like, kind of wild. If you want it to actually, like, look good. Like, if you play Blasphemous, like, that game is, like, a technical marvel. But (laughs) in a lot of ways, in terms of fidelity, it's not that far above like symphony of the night but it's the same Mm -hmm. with symphony of the night symphony of the night is like masters of the craft making like possibly the best looking you know pixel art game of all time whereas like we're talking about games that are using a lot of pre-made assets and either filtering them or just making like tweaks and adjustments to them which is like super different i i would i would argue that's very different you know what i mean it's like you know, oh, I don't know enough about games development to debate it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I see why what you're describing happens. But I think also, though, like this aesthetic can be kind of extreme. 
And so in a lot of ways, it is comparable to like lo-fi music because if you were trying to sell to a larger, more generalized audience, people just aren't going to go for it. Like people mm-hmm. are not, not going to look at your game that looks like Crash Bandicoot and just be like, yeah, 40, 50 bucks. Sure. Why not? They're going to be like, well, <laughs> Crash Bandicoot free, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, so it's always a push and pull. Like the underground <laughs> is definitely damn. You can flourish. Free, free my man, Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> Dude, those games are dog shit. I hate those <laughs> games so much. Have you ever watched the video where it's like, my friend sent me this drunk at 4 a.m. and it's like a guy talking over like footage of Crash Bandicoot, yes. but he's making all the noises with his mouth. Yes. He's like doing the music and all the sound effects. Yeah. Just like one rocks. track. Yeah. Very yeah. good. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, that's always been my hot take is that the Crash Bandicoot games are like terrible, unplayable garbage. And I don't I understand. didn't play them for very long, you know. It's, I think, unfortunately for me, it's, I just like, I don't know. As a kid, I was always like, I can just play Mario or like Donkey Kong. Yeah, like, like I don't want to play game. all these like other, I don't want to play all these other games that are just like, can we make the next one of these? Yeah. Like, I like Spyro a lot for some reason, but generally speaking, I was like, eh, I just didn't care about any of those games. And, like, Sonic's another one of those games. I'm just like, wow, Sonic is just, like, doo-doo trash. I mean, I don't think it is. I think it's just hard for me in the way that, like, fighting games are hard for me. So um, The original run of Sonic games was pretty awesome. I mean, those are still great. And they were very novel, like... I think that those games you have to account for the novelty of like if you were playing like Mario, Donkey Kong Country, that kind of shit that it's like, oh, it's like a racing game, but also a platformer like that was super cool. But yeah, with the fifth gen stuff where it's like, yeah, Spyro, Crash Bandicoot, Glover, whatever million other like damn, you came for Glover. Yeah, fuck, fuck Glover. Uh, not not Buck Bumble. Glover, no lover. You know what I'm saying? Buck Bumble riffs, great theme song. Buck Bumble fucks. Yeah, that theme song. So Buck Bumble has had sex multiple times, more than any of us combined. Oh, for sure. Yeah, dude, he gets that stinger working, and also (laughs) that theme song is fucking heavy. I'm I'm gonna listen to it right now. I love that song. Fucking good. Well, speaking of the fifth gen, you played Bloodborne PSX, the very hypey, quite internet famous demake of Bloodborne. I played it also. Uh, that must have been a few months ago now, like whenever it came out. Um, yeah. What did you think? It was great. I loved it personally. But what did you think of it? So playing Bloodborne PSX was fun because I was like, I think this is the game. Yeah, like I don't remember. I don't remember super well because um, it's also like there's so much detail in that game. That game is yeah. like, you know, I it's one of those things where like I know people are going to talk about graphics the way that gamers talk about graphics. But for me, like Bloodborne was one of the like one of the few games that like the first time I like got to see the skybox, you know, like yeah. you climb a ladder and you're standing there at the top. That I was like, holy fucking shit, man. This is crazy. There's so much shit happening in like every corner of the screen. Yeah. Um, and so sure. like really bringing that down into like. Like just like huge chunky polygons with like. 
a field of view that only extends like a few feet in front of you is crazy. Uh, but generally, I was like, I think this is pretty accurate. So I kind of was getting around. OK, I didn't make it to the first boss, which is what I really wanted to do. Yeah. But uh, I thought it was fun. I like it really made me think of like. Like what things would be like now if that had happened then. Because I thought it I thought in a way like simplifying it and like by association, like having to simplify the combat makes it a little more accessible. Like it, it plays really well, but everything's kind of but like the enemies in the world are sort of scaled down to like older, like theoretical hardware. So you're right. playing it with like modern like Souls game knowledge. And so it's it's a lot easier to play. And I think that that's good. Because I think those games more often than not have like really cool aesthetics and really cool worlds and a lot of neat ideas. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who will never experience that because they're so like put off by the difficulty of it or at least what it asks of you up front. Yeah. So I really I like this and I think aesthetically it just looks really cool. Like I think that uh, I think that like Bloodborne's aesthetic design kind of perfectly suits that period of time and like the fifth gen where there were all those like sort of hokey gothic -y, supernatural looking games you know well that's the thing is that it basically de-resing bloodborne is more or less just doing nightmare creatures and that's like yeah. really what this game reminds me of but the thing is is not that long ago i went and replayed nightmare <laughs> creatures and let me tell yeah. you that game sucks now that game was very cool when it came out because we didn't have games like that uh, yeah. and it does feel very proto soulsy like it's it's almost uncanny in certain ways but holy hell that game is terrible like that is not and i mean apologies to anyone who loves it i get it it seems like the sort of thing that i might love too if i had been consistently playing it instead of just playing it once when i was a kid and once when i was like 34 <laughs> like uh but it's pretty fucking bad and so this game was really fun to play because some of the changes they made that simplify the controls and kind of make them a little wonky intentionally because it's supposed to feel like a ps1 game um still work a lot better than the controls in combat in nightmare creatures but it has that look like where the sky is just a big black blob and everything's like mm -hmm. super jaggy and yeah, it's really, really fun. Uh, I thought some of the changes they made also affect like the layout of the map um, and the way things are strung mm -hmm. together because it's no longer yeah. an open area. It's now like cut off by loading screens. So like you leave one little section of the map, you hit a loading screen, you go to the next section, you know, finish that, hit another loading screen. And that's exactly how Nightmare Creatures was. So I think that must be like a nod to that game. There's some stuff you can toggle off in the settings, but like I think part of the... I think part of derezzing it was that they wanted to make it a little more emblematic of like a game that would have come out in that time. So like right. you can turn off the frame rate shit so it's like it runs fine and you can turn off like the stuttering and some of the other weird shit. But I don't know like, why the fuck you would though because it's all done very well. Like it's all very accurate. Well like some of that stuff is filters and yeah. so, like so you can toggle it off and just play it kind of like you're emulating it or something and like you can 
like the, it the load times are really quick like it, the transitions to areas are like it just fades out fades in right but like there's an option to kind of emulate load times on a playstation if you want which is oh. it's a cool touch like there's a lot of neat touches in that regard but it's like nah i just want it to be like the way it is but like on a pc like i want it i want it to be jaggy but like clean jaggy mm. i just played it vanilla straight out the box and i loved it um yeah there, there's a lot of little changes to like the the layout of the map i know that area super well because that's basically where i like learned to enjoy souls games was like running that first city section of bloodborne just over and over and over into the ground until i like knew it like the back of my hand and so playing this game is kind of funny because like there are some things that are changed or moved around and also the inclusion of those loading screens is like kind of wild it throws you and you're just like oh shit there's like a gap here you know where there isn't a gap but yeah it's really fun the combat's really well done the changes to the controls make it feel really fresh and interesting um i played the whole thing the first boss is really fun um you know it's the first boss in bloodborne is pretty easy in the game as well so it's pretty easy in this game well, too. speak for yourself it took me fucking 30 <laughs> tries to beat him when i first played it oh okay <laughs> well yeah you should man you know what they say get good as long as we're talking about the real the real actual first boss right yeah the shaggy shaggy dog guy yeah yeah, yeah. no nah, dude See, that's my ass, brother. See, when we talked about that game, or when that last time I talked about it on the show, I think it was with Tony, and, and he was like, Oh, I didn't even remember that there was that first boss. The first boss you think of is the hunter guy. I forget his name. That guy is hard as fuck. That's the guy where I was like, I have to try this like a hundred times. But the shaggy dog, I, I just took down. But anyway, Bloodborne PSX, very fun. If you like this type of game, um, it's maybe the one Souls like that I actually enjoy. <laughs> Uh, I made a Patreon episode recently talking about how I don't like Souls-likes. Yeah, this one's fun. It's free. You can't pay money for it because it's not legal to. The name of the dev on itch is LW Media. So that's the name of their publishing company. And I know that they are working on a game called Bloodborne Kart. That's like a Mario Kart style game, I guess, which is really funny really good gag so that'll be out at some point but right now on lw media on itch there's just a couple games and one of them is bloodborne psx so go check that out to the mump to the base bump to the buck to the bumble dude that song goes so hard i know god <laughs> curse you for bringing it up because i ain't never gonna stop now i don't that game is just as far as I remember, it's not even that good, but the soundtrack. It's, it's uh it's the sort of game that like when everyone's like, Oh, I I wanna remake a blank, I'm like, I kinda just wanna remake a butt bumble. Yeah, with like good flying. Yeah, there's just something like really and maybe it is just the nostalgia, like there is something really fucking tight about uh just that period of time. Where people would just be like, let's just make a fucking... It's a game where you're a, a bumblebee, but he's from space and has a laser gun. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're just going to have this insane house, like, Rasta fucking song. Like, like there's just a... Like, it's literally, like, fucking executives in a room just, like, throwing spaghetti at a wall. 
Yeah. And it's like the idea is rad as fuck, but like the execution's kind of lacking. Yeah. And I feel like that's true for just a lot of games. Like I like I like the idea of all those um the N64 Bomberman games. Oh like yeah, former ass ones, but like they don't play as well as you remember them playing. And so like, yeah, I'd really like to see like games like that kind of get. Well, that remakes. was like the the first. Bo- I think it's called like Bomberman '64 or like Bomberman World. I can't remember the first one that came out in the '64 that it is like a single player like adventure platformer game. That game rocks and has another crazy drum and bass soundtrack. It's all drum and bass music and it's like super insane. Um, I listen to that soundtrack pretty regularly. Like I love it and I have replayed that game in the years since and I, I like that game a lot. It's really fun. It's almost got this like Sanrio, like Hello Kitty type art style and this crazy drum and bass music. I'm a big fan. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Buck Bumble nailed the music, but not not so much the fun fun gameplay type thing. Yeah. And it had that um that Silent Hill two ass like we had to put in the fog. Kind of yeah. the same thing they did for uh, Turok, where they were like, we have to have this fog in here. Yeah, people forget now that like every game in that generation fucking mm-hmm. had fog. Yeah. Silent Hill was just the one game where they wrote it into the game <laughs> yeah they like really cranked it up because they were like no we got way too much going on here oh yeah but bomberman 64 rocks great soundtrack yeah, there are two more there's like bomberman hero and then like a sequel to bomberman 64 which i think yeah. they're all pretty similar they're all very like i think that maybe bomberman 64 is the one that has all the like cool other bomberman or whatever but well yeah okay so bomberman 64 is the one i'm thinking of because bomberman 64 was a surprise because in the past if you bought a game called bomberman it was just the classic like almost atari style bomberman game where there's a grid and you try and blow up other people with like Mm -hmm. increasingly big bombs uh But Bomberman 64 had that as the multiplayer, but then the single player was like a Mario 64 style adventure platformer with absolutely yeah, like a world based. Um, yeah. Yeah. With absolutely banging drum and bass music going the whole mm-hmm. time. And it also had like a wider cast of characters that had a more like cartoony cool look to them yeah not a saturday morning like anime kind of feel too yeah super good game and it's still really good and it was just such a banger at the time because like not only did it have a sick single player it had this awesome multiplayer just classic fucking bomberman and i think that bomberman hero is the sequel that i think also had the single player uh, kind of adventure aspect, but it just wasn't as good. I, I just don't think it like looked as cool. And then there's one more, I believe, that is just a straight up classic Bomberman game. And then after that, like, they didn't really do that much with the franchise. I think they just did the like multiplayer. Yeah, they kind of went shit. back to the classic shit. I don't think they ever did another like yeah platformer adventure type game. Such a weird blip, like. I don't know. The N64 had so many cool games like that. Cause like they also had like the Gombari Gomon games and like mm-hmm. some other franchises that just didn't survive after that generation that were just so cool. And it was so cool to see those games get this like big budget 
modern remake at that time, you know, before they just disappeared completely, unfortunately. I don't yeah. know. It's cool, cool, like, subgenre of game. Need to get more games for my N64 emulator and one of those USB uh, N64 controllers. Dude. Need play. to get, like, Arrow Gauge and... uh and Gomon for my, my emulator. Yeah, the two Gomon games, which are in English, like localized um, on N64, are just so good. They're just so fucking good. Um, anyway, let's talk about another game we played for this episode. Okay. A uh, short one. We played You Left Me, which is... Uh, well, I'm going to be transparent here. I played You Left Me like... <laughs> <laughs> like three years ago. Yeah. Well, you told me about it like not that long ago. Yeah. No. I like I bring it up every once in a while because um like it has a really a really cool like a uh, visual style, which is a visual novel. So all the artwork is it uh, it has like motion art or whatever, but it's all like two D illustration. Um, but yeah. it has like a really has a really neat color palette and aesthetic. I think. Um, yeah. It's like vaporwave hand painted manga. It's like how yeah. I would describe the visual style. And yeah, it's got these huge crazy art pieces that you can move around slightly but you can't, you know, really interact with much besides just clicking mm-hmm. on text, which is a really cool way to present this kind of game because it doesn't feel like a visual novel. It feels like one of those weird like HTML like art websites that people used mm-hmm. to make where you could just poke yeah. around and it would just have text and cool images that you could manipulate slightly and I like that a lot I was big into those weird kind of websites when I was in high school and so this feels like a really nice throwback to that yeah and like the the art is um sort of like the design of like the characters and the and like the stuff you see that's not just inanimate objects is like it's really emblematic of like um, parts of like Full Metal Alchemist, like the way that Gluttony looks with it, like the, his big teeth and his smile and like his big hands, um, and some of the other stuff from like kind of that side of that series, um, and some like other things that I'm drawing a blank on. Like, it, I mean, this is just for like some of the listeners probably just to explain sort of what it looks like. Sure. Like everything is very like surreal, but it has like a very uh, like it's it's really weird because it's like the intersection of kind of whimsy and like horror, I guess. Yeah, definitely. It like reminds a lot me of a lot like of everyone the... smiling at you, but they don't have eyes. Yeah, at all. Like there are there's nothing there. It's just smooth. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very very surreal and it's very strange. It reminds me a lot of the kind of subgenre of horror horror adjacent game that is really best represented by a game like Yume Nikki where it's like you're just exploring someone's inner mental state while they're going through something it's also similar to like Milk Inside a Bag which we talked about yeah in the like just a couple episodes ago it reminds me a lot more of the sequel The Milk Outside a Bag of Milk uh, yeah. which has a slightly more similar art style to this and a little bit more production value and music and stuff. So it kind of reminds me of that. If you're a fan of that type of game or those games, you should definitely check out this game. But yeah, it kind of gives you that really weird, surreal, 
glimpse into someone else's like mental state and the things that they go through. And yeah, you follow this one character mm-hmm. as she like struggles to get out of bed. And then as she goes to work as she rides the train and it's kind of all leading you towards like this big realization and big piece of context that you need to understand what's going on in the game. It's very, very cool. Just like milk, yeah. milk inside a bag of milk. I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was just a neat little, surreal drama horror experience that people should check out. It's not like the way milk is like you just kind of you have your endings and you either get like the good one or the bad one. I think if I remember correctly, um, you left me has more like you can just pick the wrong thing and kind of like the game stops there. So you have to adjust, you know, your like you can't you can pick the wrong response to a situation effectively. Like you're not you're not just making choices to end up at a different place in the same amount of time. You can like you can to be like, oopsie, now you're dead. Right. Sort of. <laughs> which is which is interesting in like a visual novel context, I guess. Granted, yeah. I don't play visual novels, so I don't know if that's standard, but I have to assume it's not. Because this is more like you're getting some neat interactive artwork with like some blurbs. Right. I wouldn't like I wouldn't call it a visual novel. It's just like an interactive art piece, essentially. That's exactly what I would call it. It's just an interactive art piece for sure. But it's one that's like it's a you know, it's a deeply personal story with really good um, like aesthetics and, and artwork. Yeah. The art is really cool. The character designs are really cool. There's a really cool like Cyclops cat um, that talks to you in like weird broken internet speak. I don't know. It's cool. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's I do. I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that kind of intersection between like surrealism, whimsy and horror because I am prepping like a solo app that is about games like that. And I mm-hmm. do think it's something that like it's easy to get burnt out on or it's easy to just like be like, Oh, I'm over this. Cause you see that kind of style all over the internet, but it can be done really well. And when it is, it's a really good vector through which to like explore those like themes of personal loss and like mental illness and things like that. Um, Yeah. And I think that this game is a really great example of that. And yeah, I thought it was great. It was awesome. Yeah, and it's also worth noting that I think sometimes games like this kind of they do like the Dark Souls thing where they get a little too like esoteric for their own good. Sure. Like they try to lean a little too hard into being like really like weird and irreverent. And um Yeah. Not to and not to say that like milk was was like that. I think that milk was like a very genuine experience. But um, you know, like sometimes you can tell when someone's like trying to go for that aesthetic. Yeah. And so this is at least like it's it's a little weird, but you know, like you're not gonna spend a lot of processing power figuring out what's going on. Yeah, definitely. Like all the all the weird visuals are just kind of a like it's to make it dreamlike, but yeah, you know, you you very quickly understand what's happening and you know what this person's doing and where they're at and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, for sure. And that, I appreciate that a lot about this game, how it was straightforward. Because that's like, yeah, I mean, all this stuff is just a branch off the family tree of Yume Nikki. Yume Nikki's at the top. And Yume Nikki is the most weird, <laughs> vague, not telling you shit game of all time. Like, Dark Souls doesn't have shit on Yume Nikki. Uh, but Yume Nikki also has a very shocking and very straightforward ending. So, like, 
I feel like this is kind of splitting the difference between the two where it's like, yes, it is very straightforward at times and especially in the ending, but it's also very weird and dreamlike at times. Yeah, it's a cool game. It's definitely one of those things I'll like stick with you. I get why you kept bringing it up and why you think about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Angela, hey, there's a bunch of bunch of stuff to check out. It all looks like it's got that that nice aesthetic, um, just cool cool little interactive art pieces for you to check out. Yeah. Some of these seem a little more lighthearted than other ones. So yeah, um, for sure. If you, if you like the sound of the aesthetics, but you don't want as heavy of a subject, I think maybe there's something there for you. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I think we just have one more, uh, which was carbon steel. Uh, this game rocks Mm -hmm. there. I downloaded another one that I haven't played yet. Um, yeah, he's got nine games on itch, and they all look very classic horror. Uh, looks like shit I should have already known about, mm-hmm. but yeah. I didn't. Uh, so I'm excited to check another artist who I'm excited to like dive into and check out more of their stuff. I could say that about most of the people in this episode, but yeah, it looks cool. Yeah, carbon, uh, carbon steel. Like I think the the first thought my brain formed was like this is just hell world half-life like the way it opens is very yeah. like you get on the train you ride the train car you get off of it you go to your little workspace and that's it's it's yeah it's if you were playing the opening of like half-life but if everything was like fucking rusted and disgusting and dark and yeah like very very good very emblematic of uh of iron lung but in a slightly different way yeah that's what you had said in the recommendation was like feels like it's set in the same universe as iron lung which i agree with for sure and there's a lot of similarities between the two games what i think is interesting what i like so much about carbon steel is that carbon steel is much more grounded like iron lung is obviously a grounded game because you're just stuck in a metal tube and you never leave Mm -hmm. but like the world it's supposed to be set in is like very weird and and over the top in certain ways like the text crawls you get are like that's weird and there's like monsters and shit carbon steel is much more it feels like soviet era filmmaking you know what i mean like it feels so much Uh like it could be like tarkovsky or you know like das boot or something where it's just like it's very drab and industrial you're stuck inside this like hellish world where everyone is either like a warden or a prisoner uh the things you do in the game are like very very uh mechanical and repetitive like you're supposed to just repeat the same mechanical process but with increasing levels of complexity and difficulty and like the big thing that happens or kind of like the twist in the game is very like soviet era film feeling i'll say without kind of spoiling what it is uh yeah it's much more grounded and realistic uh, in a lot of ways, despite having this sci-fi feel and these slightly futuristic feel to the tech. I also love that you really don't know what the fuck you are doing in this game. <laughs> like, <laughs> you learn this whole mechanical well, technological yeah, process, but you don't know what it is. It's funny you mention like, the advanced technology, because it's like, you don't know what you d- you're doing. You also don't know when you're doing it. Yeah, for sure. Because you have, like, 
you have an Apple computer, basically. Uh-huh. Like it's <laughs> the computer. It's not a modern system. Right. But it's you know, but it's also like well, it uses like three and a quarter inch floppies, you know, so it's not that old. Um Right. But yeah, like you don't you don't you don't know when you because you, you don't know if that means that's the era you're in or if they just gave you the most rudimentary piece of equipment that right. they could. So yeah. you couldn't like work a way out of the, the situation you're in. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, the game is effectively you're shoving syringes of stuff into a contained specimen of some kind, which right. you don't know what it is. Um, and it's just like <laughs> the further it goes, the more like the specimens start to like, you know, like you have to like look up different charts to figure out what to do or it gets violent or, you know, whatever you're you're doing. But you're doing it in just a shitty, rusted, gross place where clearly you're being maybe not watched at all times, but someone expects you to meet a quota, you know, right? There's a lot of obvious things it's trying to say yeah for sure and like just right in the intro like you're thrown into a cell there's a camera in the cell uh everything has this super nasty rusted out look it's done in a really cool way where it also cops some of that like ps1 adjacent like low res style but it's also got these surprisingly high res textures laid onto everything so everything looks real nasty and rusty yeah. uh it's super cool yeah there, there's so many things that make me think of like soviet era film and that make me specifically think of like stalker or like solaris you know where it's like it's in the future but it's like this retro future where things haven't moved that far past the 80s so yeah you still look shit up on an apple IIe with floppy disks but you also have like a laser welding gun <laughs> It's definitely got the like alternate World War II history axis one. Yeah. So every everything became like an insanely controlled flow of information and technology. Right. So maybe it's maybe it's the modern day. But at this point, like you're just going to work at the like specimen goop camp. Uh huh. Um, yeah, for yeah, sure. And, you know, it's one of the it's one of those games where we could say a lot, but it's not a very long game and it's either free or however much you want to pay them for it. And it's, it's one of those where if you have a PC, um, you should just play it probably. Yeah. It's super cool. I think especially like if you liked iron lung or games in that style where it's just Mm -hmm. a simple straight ahead kind of repetitive mechanical process, but it's set within a really interesting environment and it does a lot to build up the world and atmosphere. Like that's exactly what this game is. It's insanely well done. Um, you should play it. If you like Tarkovsky, if you like, you know, movies like Solaris and stalker and all that shit, you should definitely play it. It's one of the few times I've seen that invoked in a really cool and well done way within a video game. Cause like, Mm -hmm. You know, the game Stalker does not. It's just a really hard first person shooter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ayo. Uh, I'm glad people stopped asking me to cover that for the show. Either that or they just figured out that I'm never going to do that. Um, I mean, I'm always like wanting to try to play it again, but um, it's not a it is not a game that I think is worth talking about for this this exact venture. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not the person to play it because I'm shit at yeah. FPS games. So, like, dude, I mean, I love FPS games and I'm still shit at that game, dude. 
Okay, let me ref- let me. Yeah, I I am shit at all of them, and I don't really like them. And that game was just like, what the fuck? I mean, that game hard as fuck, dog. I'm glad I played it. I played a few hours of it, and I get the shiki bricky memes and stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't say I'm like real horny to jump back in. Yeah, no, uh, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, Carbon Steel is great. Check it out. I think this. I lo- love a game where it's metal and. Like, I love a game where everything is rust and then you just hear, like, ambient echo metal sounds. Yeah. Like, the, like when that's the aesthetic. Clang, like, clang, clang. You know, just like Event Horizon, but without, like, anything but, like, the ship existing, basically. Yeah. Like, I just, that's that's the aesthetic I live for. and uh, Yeah, dude. My, my favorite horror-adjacent aesthetic, I think. Yeah, for sure. I consider all that stuff horror, too. It's nasty, dirty, scary, stinky. Just oh, you're trapped it. in like a like cube if cube was less like future technology and more like what if it was old and abandoned? Yeah, exactly. I love that. Maybe they have one of those. How many cubes are there now? <laughs> Only God knows. How many cubes have y'all made? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this list of indie games that we checked out is really cool. I think it hits a lot of different styles and feels and genres, and it gives people a bunch of different creators to check out. That's definitely one of my favorite things about Itch is just like Bandcamp, like you find a song or an album you like, and you have a whole discography to look through. Mm -hmm. It's the same with this, like you find a little game you like, you have a whole gameography to explore and see what people are up to. And yeah, a lot of these people have made more than one horror game more than one weird creepy surreal game for you to check out so go fucking play some indie games this yeah, i mean take it from me it's it's very fun to um just go on itch and spend a while so just sorting through everything and clicking stuff and seeing if it's something you're interested in yeah um as in you know the more you do that the more you start to like get a feel for what might be something you'd like and uh yeah what what won't be yeah just among, sure. amongst the sea of like games that you can play uh yeah and more often than not though you know it's like you know if you go into it the right mindset you either end up with like you're like that's fine that was fine and sometimes you find something that's really great yeah man sometimes you find something that bangs as hard as the buck bumble theme song what can i say i mean bump bump to the bump to the bump to the bass <laughs> Fucking A right there. <laughs>